How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are, coming close to our wrap-up of 1 Corinthians. So please go grab your Bibles, notepads and pens, and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to pick up where we left off in verse 12. <clears throat> so... Previously, on Christian Coffee Time, we were talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ itself, what it is, how Jesus taught it, and what we believe. Then we see the Lord God, Jesus Christ, as scriptures flat out say, then how he saves by grace, through faith, by belief alone. And then we take a look at... Um, the details of the work of Jesus Christ, what all was required, what did Jesus fulfill, what is the fullness of the gospel and the work of Christ to, uh, for our salvation to save our souls. So uh, we did a walkthrough from verse 1 to 12 and uh, taking a look at uh, Paul's declaration of the gospel. And we compare that with what Jesus taught and uh, what the other disciples taught, and we compare this with the prophecies, seeing uh, seeing what Scripture says all across, being like the Bereans, uh, searching these things out to see if they are so. So, now that we've touched on this, um, I actually have a question that was posed. Uh, someone sent in an email. Uh, Tiffany has a question here regarding the... Uh, uh, the crucifixion regarding the gospel of Jesus Christ, referring specifically to the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, but specifically about the blood. Um, about Jesus' blood, how is his blood holy? How does his blood have power? And how does Jesus' blood forgive us and heal us? Great question. Great question. Now, when we take a look at the person of Jesus, it would kind of <clears throat> seem to not really make sense if Jesus was just a normal dude. He was just a normal guy. He was just like you and me, just an, a normal person. His blood would be literally no different. Uh, his uh, Everything of his being would be no different than you or me. It was just some individual hanging on the cross that the Romans are beating up. Some guy that was preaching religion or whatever. And, and that he shed his blood and died on the cross, was buried. Okay, so his blood would have nothing, would be nothing different about this. But, however, when you take a look at what the Bible says about the person of Jesus Christ, and how uh, Jesus is the Christ, which is, uh, the Christ is the spirit of the, of the living God, the promised spirit of God that would come down, and would interact with us it would teach us and then we see as we see the prophecies open the eyes of the blind and heal heal the the sick and all these raise people from the dead and then how he'd be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be put death for our sins and he would be resurrected <clears throat> we see in acts chapter 20 verse 28 that uh it says god purchased the church with his own blood with his own blood god's blood so, as the Bible says, the life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. And then we see Jesus says, he says, I have power to lay down mine own life and take it up again. No man taketh it from me. 
as and Jesus goes on to say how he gives eternal life eternal life he gives eternal life. i can't give you eternal life you can't give me inter eternal life so we see life is in the blood as the bible says and in jesus in him is everlasting life he has power over life over death he has power over all things furthermore as we also see because we're as we are descendants of adam and adam brought sin into the world by his transgression and and thus sin is passed down through the generations and it's passed down through the blood sin is in the blood sin is in the flesh jesus is as he has no sin as we see as mary by the virgin birth knew no man we see in jeremiah 31 is it jeremiah 31 22 I think it's Jeremiah 31, 22. And it talks about uh, how the Lord will do a new thing in the earth. Behold, a woman shall compass a man. That means to bypass. That's talking about the divine conception. I see the spirit of God came upon Mary and sparked life in her womb. In Philippians 2, 5 to 8, God fashioned a body for himself. So that there is a barrier there, a cutoff, <clears throat> so that the, uh, the passing down of sin from Adam could not go upon this body that God is fashioning for himself. This is a new thing, a new thing where God fashioned a, a body with that has no sin, has no sin. And so the blood in the body of Jesus is special, sinless, sinless. And not just this, but it's literally the fashioned body for God himself, for his own body. That his spirit would inhabit. Jesus says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am in the Father, the Father in me, I and the Father are one. Colossians 2, 9, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So this body of Jesus is literally the body of God incarnate. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so therefore, everything of this body would be a reflection of God himself. We see in the blood of Jesus Christ is the eternal power. Is the eternal power as the eyes, the mouth, the ears, everything about him is the it, it pictures and shows and illustrates that God sees all things, knows all things, hears all things, and he speaks all things. He speaks all power. The words, they are spirit, they are life, as Jesus says. So, it, so when Jesus shed his blood, he shed a holy blood because the blood is holy because jesus is holy because jesus is god his, his blood is holy it's a reflection of him so he sheds sheds his blood for our sins which uh, as god had said that the penalty for sin is death and blood so he gave the penalty now i want to address something in your questions is how does the blood forgive us well we also want to be very careful in this <clears throat> the blood in and of itself is not what forgives us the blood is the penalty for sin that there must be a shedding of blood and a death for the penalty of sin god is the one that forgives us because the the atonement was given because the price was paid death and blood by 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 the lamb the lamb of god who shed his blood and died for us <clears throat> because that was fulfilled he can forgive us he can forgive us because the blood of his son is on our is on our case it has cleansed us washed us clean and he looks as he sees that the that uh, the, the he has purchased us with his own blood <clears throat> excuse me so 
the blood itself does not forgive, does not heal. He does because the blood of Christ has been placed upon us. So uh, we got to be careful uh, with some of the lingo there. <clears throat> it's like saying, it, it, it's similar to saying how, you know, holy water that water can can cleanse and protect or the the wine and the bread can forgive sins no 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 no. he forgives he heals he does all these things because the blood of christ has cleansed us and has uh, paid our sins so with that talking about the uh the blood of Jesus Christ, the work of Christ. There's the, the next part here that we're going to be going into, and I hope that that explanation made sense. And please let me know if you have any more questions on that. Again, great question, Tiffany. Thank you so much for that. And if anyone else has any other comments, questions regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. All right, so we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we got down to verse 12, talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul declares, the declaration of the gospel, the, the good news of God, the good news of Jesus Christ. So <clears throat> Paul goes on to pose a question here. Now, he finishes up that, it says in verse 12, Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, okay, we have to stop right there. We have to back up. We have to back up. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 53. Go back into the Old Testament. Go back to the prophet Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to read chapter 53 first. We're going to see something here. Now, in Isaiah chapter 53... Verse 1, who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Okay, hold up. That sounds familiar. Prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 1, is quoting David. Prophet David, King David, from Psalm 22. He's literally repeating Psalm 22 in verse 1. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The strength of God. Verse 2, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Who is he talking about? The Messiah. The Messiah Christ. Isaiah 7.14, about the a virgin shall conceive, shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's Isaiah 9.6. Uh, uh, the, the names of this one, of the child-born son given, wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace, the one that will be born in Bethlehem, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. <clears throat> now, he'll, it, now what he's describing here in verse 2 is the appearance of Jesus, that he looks like just an average, normal, everyday Jew of Israel. Yeah, no real super defining features or anything like so generic looking he just blend into a crowd he looks like your average john smith uh, that's what he would look like uh, and no form nor comeliness and we shall see him there's no beauty that we should desire him verse three he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief about how he'll be betrayed in the hands of sinful men that uh, people will hate him and, and betray him and treat him spitefully and scornfully and we hid, as it were, our faces from him about the, how the disciples will, will uh, forsake and flee, which they did in the garden. 
He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. We see in Psalm 22, talking about how, the beatings and all the horrible things, and how his bones are visible. You can literally see the ribcage of Jesus after the whippings from the Romans, and his, his joints are put out of place, horribly, horribly mistreated, beaten and punched and slapped, his beard ripped out of his face, and beaten over the head with rods after they put the crown of thorns on his head. They beat the thorns into his head. Horrible, horrible things they did to him. And, and uh, the chastisement of his peace is upon him, and, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. For God so loved the world, but he and he saw how how we all off on our own way. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. But the Lord is not willing that any should perish. So he made a way for us that he he took the the penalty. He he took the price upon himself, so that it could be open free for all for anyone. Laid on him the iniquity of us all. So he's coming for our sins. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and like a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He didn't say a word while they were beating him. He didn't say a word. He didn't, he didn't scream. He didn't cry out. He made no noise. He was taken from prison and from judgment, Pilate's judgment hole, and Caiaphas's prison. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. He'll be put to death. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And again, he's put to death for our sins. He made his grave with the wicked. Between, uh, is killed between the two thieves with the rich in his death. Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. And everyone knows that he is innocent. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Again, he's the offering for sin for the world. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, meaning he'll be brought back to life. The resurrection. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in, it, in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my, sorry, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion of the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Okay, so this is 750 years before Jesus. God says, Now, <clears throat> now, when we take a look at these things, I was thinking about it this morning. How should we approach this? Because there's so, so, so many angles, arguments, debate topics. You can go into archaeological discoveries to prove the Bible true. And there's so many other manuscripts and articles and discoveries and all kinds of stuff that you could go into. Now... One thing that I like to do in the way that I approach this, and you can approach it by any other angle, it's perfectly fine. But the one thing that I was thinking about, <clears throat> God's not on trial here in proving 
the person of Christ, the deity of Jesus Christ, the cross, the burial, the resurrection, the work of Christ, the person of Christ. Uh, we're not here to prove these things true. Don't misunderstand me. We're not here to prove these things are true. They are true. God's not on trial. And if a person is not going to believe clear scripture, they're not going to believe anything else you could possibly post to them. Like, pr like proving the existence of God. If an individual who claims to be an atheist uh, and you come to them and show them the scriptures and you show them everything else and they're not going to believe, they're not going to believe anything you show them, let alone scripture, let alone anything else, because they've already made up their, made up their mind. If a person isn't going to be convicted and believe in the word of God all by itself, that goes to show that the spirit of God is not working on them. So there's literally no argument you could possibly pose that will convince them. We're not here to prove God. We're not here to prove Jesus. We're not here to prove the resurrection. We're not here to prove the person of Jesus Christ or his deity or, or prove the power of his blood or prove that, that he was crucified to begin with. We're not here to prove anything. We're here to state that this is who he is and this is what he did. And whether or not you choose to believe it is completely up to you. I don't have to prove anything to you. I, you don't have to prove anything to me about this. It is what it is. Scripture is true whether you believe it or not. God is real whether you believe him or not. Jesus Christ is God whether you believe that or not. Jesus Christ went to the cross, shed his blood and died, was buried, rose again the third day whether you accept that or not. He, he was resurrected bodily whether or not you can accept that or not. Because the scriptures say, God says, God cannot lie, this is true whether you want to believe it or not. I'm not here to prove God. I don't have to prove anything to you. I'm just stating to you, thus saith the Lord. So we must make sure that when we come to the word of God, when we come to these things, we see it that it is true and it doesn't have to be proven. It doesn't have to be proven. Jesus Christ is the Lord. King Jesus, all hail King Jesus. Long live the King of Kings. I don't have to prove him. He is. That's why his name is I Am. Because as I think it was, uh, was it Paul Washer? I'm not a fan of his Calvinism, but he has some great quotes and, and great teachings and other stuff. But as he says, you, the reason why Jesus says I Am is because you're not. <laughs> I like that. I really like that. <clears throat> so, um, as Jenna says, is believing in the deity of Jesus kind of the same as the doctrine of believing in the blood? Well, in that it's true, they're both absolutely true, but the blood of Christ and that the blood of Christ is the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of God was shed for us, shed for the world, shed for all our sins, and he, he paid the price, the atonement for all our sins, uh, that absolutely in that way, and Jesus as, as he says in John 8, 24, if you don't believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. And the, the deity of Jesus Christ is absolutely true. And if you do not believe the deity of Christ, you're going to go to hell. If you do not believe that Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross for your sins, you are not saved. You're on your way to hell. So, yeah, so the importance of understanding the whole work. Now, that's what we're going to be talking about here. And once we get into uh, get into this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 12, 
Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, which he did, and he proved by many infallible proofs, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Okay, now this is interesting. There, Many people, even today, um, uh, you'll come across, they say that, that they may believe that there may have been a Jesus, but they don't believe in the resurrection. That the, the, the dead don't come back to life. That, that they, they absolutely deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are so, so many people. And there are many different religions out there. That believe in uh, Jesus. That he was just a holy man. He was just some prophet. He was just some good man. And that he was put to death. He, he may have been crucified and buried. But that's it. Game over. The end. The end of the story. I don't believe he, he, he was resurrected. There are many religions that even claim to have the very grave of Jesus, uh, where they say he's still buried to this day. Hinduism uh, actually has, uh, ha has a, a spot where they say this is the grave of Jesus. Uh, Jesus somehow went into some yoga trance on the cross and pretended to die, and they took him down, and he awoke out of his meditational trance, and he went over to India, where he lived the rest of his life and died, and they buried him in India. <laughs> bunch of nonsense <clears throat> islam denies that jesus is even crucified they say that their false god uh put a put a delusion upon the minds of the people where they where they thought they envisioned that they had crucified him that he did die when he actually didn't he didn't even go to the cross that they flat out deny that jesus is even crucified let alone that they say jesus is just some lesser prophet so there is so many people out there and different beliefs uh uh, regarding their own Jesus, their own Jesus. And if we go back to Romans chapter 1, we see, uh, starting at verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. They think they have the knowledge, the answers, the understanding. Well, I know what happened. My interpretation, they're fools, the Bible says. God says. They're fools. They change God. They, verse 22, they change the glory of God. They change the person of God. They change the uncorruptible God into an image of their own imagination, of their own mind. Verse, uh, and verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie. They change the truth of God into a lie. They make Jesus not the Christ. They make Jesus not the Savior. They say Jesus didn't go to the cross, that he wasn't even buried, or that he is still buried and he wasn't resurrected, that he didn't do the things that the scriptures say, or that there wasn't even a Jesus, or other stupid things like Jesus got married and had kids and he, and he had sexual affairs or whatever else, a bunch of nonsense and blasphemy. There's so much corruption and lies out there. They change the truth of God into a lie. You see, I was thinking about it yesterday. People have absolutely no problem believing in Jesus. The devils don't care if you believe in Jesus. As long as it's not the Jesus of the Bible. You see, you could literally go out in the street right now and preach the Hindu Jesus, Buddhist Jesus, Muslim Jesus, atheist Jesus, or whatever other Jesus out there, and no one will care. 
But the moment you go out uh, out there and you start preaching the biblical Jesus, that's when the devils go nuts. That's when all hell goes nuts. That's what that's when all the wicked and unreasonable wicked men come upon you to try to silence you because the dead love dead things and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. As people don't want to hear about the biblical Jesus. They don't want to hear what, what God has to say about sin. They don't want to hear what God says about righteousness. They don't want to hear what God says about salvation. They don't want to hear any other thing but what, uh, the, the, what appeases and satiates their own mind. And we see what Paul says here. How say some among you there's no resurrection of the dead? And we, we take a look at this now who in the bible specifically was actually named as individuals who deny the resurrection deny that there is a resurrection deny that god could resurrect and all that well we go over to acts chapter 23 verse 8 acts chapter 23 verse 8 the apostle paul is contending uh, for the faith uh, between the pharisees and some others and Acts chapter 23, verse 8, and Paul realizes that in this uh, in this uh, area where he is, where he's debating with them, all these Jews, different ones, the Pharisees, he noticed that, that there's a, a couple of different sects. There, there's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There's another group. The Pharisees believe in miracles, believe in angels, believe in the resurrection. They believe in all that kind of stuff. But then there's this other Jewish sect called the Sadducees. And Acts 23 verse 8, For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither, neither angels nor spirits. But the Pharisees confess both. Okay, for some weird reason, which is a question that I have still to this day, and I, I honestly, honestly don't understand how by jewish law the sadducees were even allowed to be a thing even yes i know that the law is corrupted and all that kind of stuff the pharisees are, but the sadducees are or downright heretical clearly blatantly heretical i don't understand i don't understand how the Sadducees are even allowed to be a thing, but they were, and they had great influence to the point that they were a ruling council of the Jews. They're right up there with the Pharisees, holding the same level of authority and power. Okay, but anyways, the influence of the Sadducees and their, their heretical teaching, which spread a lot, and that just as the Judaizers will follow the Apostle Paul to deceive people and drag them back into law-keeping and to deny the gospel of grace which Paul was preaching, the Sadducees were also influencing because, well, they don't believe what the Pharisees believed and they don't believe what Paul believed and they also wanted to spread their own thing. So we, So it doesn't say... Now this is where i got to clarify something. The scriptures do not say that the Sadducees were following the Apostle Paul and spreading their thing, and, or that they went to Corinth, that I'm aware of. I haven't read that. Correct me if I'm wrong. But it's just that denying the resurrection right there, it, uh, a big thing that the Sadducees are spreading and teaching. 
Now, there is an aspect there. We do see Paul. He went to Athens and he's preaching uh, to the Greeks. And <clears throat> and when he is preaching to the Greeks on Mars Hill, that is preaching Christ. And when he mentioned the resurrection of the dead, many scoffed. Many denied it because they don't believe that the dead can come back to life. So there is that too. So it's possible either influenced by Greek culture of denying resurrection or... Uh, it could be influenced by the Sadducees. So either way, the belief that, uh, of the denial of resurrection was seemed to be a thing that was spreading even in this church. Now, let me just pose you a question. Can an individual be a born-again Christian and deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Can an individual be a born-again Christian and deny the resurrection of Jesus? See, some people say, well, you just got to believe in Jesus. You just got to believe in Jesus and who he is, what the Bible says about how he died for your sins. He died for your sins. He went to the cross for your sins. And believe in, believe in the person of Jesus. Okay, is that sufficient or is there something else? Is there something else that is an absolute mandatory requirement for your salvation? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Well, when we take a look at what Scripture says, um, sorry, Troll says, it started lagging when you were talking right now. All right, well, we'll just keep going on. YouTube doesn't like the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now it says, it now Christ be preached that he rose from the dead. How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Okay, oh, uh, Charles says about being born again. Can you be a born again Christian and deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ? That's my question. Can you be a born again Christian and deny the gospel uh, uh, and deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Let's see what Paul says. Okay, so how, how say some among you there is no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so, be the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. So right there, we see that the Apostle Paul is establishing something very important. Now, we also need to back up just for a moment, and we need to take a look at the Apostle Paul. Who is he? An apostle of Jesus Christ, established by Christ. Now, if we take a look at what it says in over in Peter, about how the Spirit of God spoke to his holy servants and told them what to write. Now, all scripture is inspired by God, given by God. God breathed. That's what it says in Timothy. That all scripture is God breathed. That God spoke it. God inspired it. God taught it. 
and God preserves his word unto all generations. His word is above his very name. Not one jot, nor one tittle. That's the smallest mark in the Hebrew and the smallest mark in the Greek. Not one jot, not one tittle. Should always pass in the word of the law to all be fulfilled. It's, and it's preserved unto all generations. So therefore, we know that from Genesis to Revelation is given by God, established by God, canonized by God, not man. Man did not canonize scripture. No council of men canonized scripture. You had to figure out what are the true books of the Bible. That was never a thing. That was for the Catholic Church, not the born-again Christians. The, the born-again Christians have always had the scriptures completed, canonized, fulfilled. It was the cults that had to try to figure out what was scripture or not. Uh, the Orthodox and the Catholics and the cults, they had to do that. But the born-again Christians have always had the word of God, preserved by God, kept by God uncorrupted, unchanged, established forever. And that the Apostle Paul flat out says right here, inspired by the spirit of the living God in the mind of Paul, God says through Paul, the resurrection is a mandatory requirement for salvation. That if Christ is not resurrected, you're still in your sins, not saved. So therefore... To deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're not saved. You must believe in a few things to be born again saved, as what the scriptures, the word of God, the Bible, let us says. The person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh. That Jesus went to the cross for your sins shed his blood and died on the cross he didn't swoon it was a meditation he actually died on the cross he shed his blood and died on the cross he was buried for three days he rose again the third day he rose again the third day bodily as the bible says these things are required now to understand as well as a part of this it is finished meaning he did all the work he did all the atonement. Nothing else is required. We're saved by grace through faith in the work of Jesus Christ. By grace, by the grace of God, through believing faith, you're saved because of the work of Jesus Christ. Nothing else is required. So to add to it, if you add anything else to it, you're not saved. We're saved by grace through faith, by belief alone in the Lord God Jesus Christ alone of his work of shedding his blood and dying on the cross and being buried rose again the third day. That's what the Bible says. To change that, to modify that, to corrupt that, you're turning into a false gospel. You change the truth of God into a lie. And lies won't save you. Lies won't save you. All right, so um, uh, Jenna uh, has a follow-up here about believing is believing in the deity of Jesus Christ the same as belie believing in the blood of Christ, the doctrine of the blood of Christ. She says, I ask because I didn't understand the whole doctrine of the blood atonement, but once I believed his deity, then everything else made sense and I believed it all. There you go. You understand that to understand the blood of Christ, you got to understand the person of Christ. Now, as I established at the beginning of this video about uh, the importance, the importance of understanding that Jesus is God. That's what makes his blood holy. That's what makes his blood uh, capable of of being the full atonement for all people for anyone who would believe so uh, the reason why his blood is so powerful is because of his person because of who he is 
So yeah, the same thing is you want to understand about the work of Christ, the cross of Christ, the burial, the resurrection, the, the whole life, the person, identity. To understand everything about him, you have to first understand his deity, that he's God. If you deny his deity, then none of the rest will make sense. Uh, Genesis, some make me think I didn't get saved then because I, I didn't understand the whole doctrine of blood atonement. But I believe he died for my sins and rose again, just as the Bible says. Again, it, it doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what other people say. It, it matters what Scripture says. What does Scripture say? The Bible, the flat-out clear-cut uh, clear Bible, what does it say? How am I saved? Understanding in the person of Jesus Christ, uh, according to scriptures of his deity, understanding what he what he did on the cross, and he was buried and rose again the third day. Do you believe that? Now, there's a difference here. Like, for example, um, about like some people regarding, you know, the Godhead. They may not understand exactly how the Godhead works, but they believe it. There are some some things about the Bible I don't understand. I don't get it, but I believe it. You may not understand all things about the person of Jesus Christ, but you believe in him. You believe that he is God. You believe that he went to the cross for you. You believe that he forgave your sins. You believe that he shed his blood and died, was buried, rose again the third day. You may not understand how that all works, but you believe that. That's what's important. That's what's important, that you believe it. You know it's true. You believe it. And that's where the Lord then, by his spirit, will teach you and guide you and give you understanding over time. You grow in understanding. You grow in knowledge. So some people say you got to have all the knowledge before you can be saved. Well, those people are nuts. Don't worry about them. Okay, so um, where are we? Verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. Now, Christ be not risen. Now, you notice the words here. This is why it's so important to slow down. Slow down your reading. Read word by word, line by line, verse by verse. Slow down. Look what he says. If Christ be not risen. He didn't say Jesus. Did you notice that? He didn't say, and if Jesus be not risen, he didn't say that. He said, if Christ be not risen, because Jesus is the Christ. Because again, who is, what is Christ? Who is, what is Christ? Christ is the Messiah, which is what? The spirit of the living God that would come down, would take upon human form. Jesus is the Christ. It's the Spirit of God. And Jesus says, The words that I say unto you uh, are not mine own words, but are my Father's which, are, which is in me. The works that I do are not mine own works, but are my Father's which, which is in me. The Spirit of God was speaking and working through this body that he fashioned for himself. So we see here then, Christ be not risen, is showing right there an emphasis on the deity here. God's not dead. God is not the God of the dead, but the but of the living. Christ is risen. God is risen. God is alive. You can't kill him. You can't kill God. Jesus is God. 
So the Spirit of God is able to raise the dead. Now how hard is it to raise the body that he fashioned for himself? As Jesus says, I have power to lay down my own life and take it up again. How? Because the Spirit of the living God is the, is the very Spirit of that body. My spirit is within me, and the body without the spirit is dead. The body without the spirit is dead. The body without the spirit is dead. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The spirit left the body. The body dies. The spirit comes back to the body. The body's alive. And he heals himself of all the wounds and everything else, except for the nail, nail scars and the spear hole. So how hard is it for the spirit of the living God to resurrect his own body back to life? Think about that one for a moment. You see, so many people scoff and mock and disbelieve and deny and make excuses for all the things that Jesus did. Turning water to wine, walking on water, feeding the thousands and healing the sick, raising the dead. So many people make excuses for that and deny that and all kinds of other things. But when you just read the Bible, you see Jesus is the Christ, which is God. And once you understand that Jesus is God manifested in the flesh, um, the same God that made all things, <laughs> uh, how hard is it to, to, to believe in the rest of what Jesus did. Like, I don't understand, but again, the things of the Spirit understood by the Spirit of God. If you have not the Spirit of God, you're not going to get it. But when you pay attention to the specific words, Christ be not risen. If God is not risen, see, now we get the emphasis here. So, just as uh, the one question by Dana, about those who confuse Son of God with God. Okay, if you if here's here's a very simple trick to understand what son of god means right son of god literally means god the son the body of god that that god is the father of the body that he made the son of god the body of God, the spirit of God is in this body. So this is God, the son manifested, shown, appeared. So that, that shows right there the deity of Jesus Christ by son of God. And also by Daniel's uh, term, son of man. So all of these names, I am Lord, uh, the great shepherd, son of God, son of man, all of these terms that Jesus calls himself, refers to himself as, are deity claims, deity names, deity names. Christ, Messiah, Savior. And if Christ, which means God, if Christ, God, be not risen, if God is not risen, what, what would be the implications? Think about that one just for a moment. What would be the implications if God is still in the grave? If God does not have power over death, what, what are the implications? He's no different than any of the other gods in the entire world. 
And he's no different than you or me. Verse 17, if Christ be not raised and your faith is vain, you're yet in your sins. Go, eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. Then there's no point. There's no point, no power, no purpose, no value, no reason. It, that the whole the whole thing of the whole Jesus thing is irrelevant. And then you know, he's dead, he's gone, he's buried, he has no power, he can't raise himself. Do so you see? How important it is to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see the absolute insanity of individuals who say, well, Jesus, he resurrected, but not bodily. He resurrected spiritually, not bodily. If Jesus, the body, is not resurrected, then the prophets are liars, which means God is a liar. Jesus is a liar because he said he would and it shows also he has no power over himself if christ be not risen then is our preaching vain then is our preaching vain then everything i'm saying is vanity and pointless and it's no point go do whatever you want and your faith is vain you have you have faith in an individual who has no power you see that? And your faith is also vain. Yay! And we are found false witnesses. I would be a false prophet. I'm a false teacher. I'm a false preacher. I'm a false witness of God. But he is risen. Because we have testified that God uh, of God that he raised up Christ, whom, whom he raised not up. If so, be the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, verse 17, here, here's, the, here's the crux of it. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, you're yet in your sins. Salvation from your sins directly hinges upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now I want to I want to emphasize something here and I want to be very careful with this and I want to make sure you don't misunderstand me. The cross alone, the shedding of blood of Jesus alone does not save you. It takes the full work. The full work the shedding of the blood, because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin, so there must be a, a shedding of blood and a death. Then we see the burial, the resurrection is what gives life. Because we see right here, you're yet in your sins if he's not raised. So, the full work of Christ, which we, which we read by Isaiah chapter 53, the full work of the Messiah Christ for salvation is the death, burial, resurrection. The death, burial, resurrection. It takes, the, it's like a three-step process. If we could say, well, I want to be careful with that, it, it's like that. that it, take, it took the, all of this, the death, burial, resurrection to save you. Because by this, we see that the, that the, the, uh, there must be an atonement of blood for sin. The wage, the penalty of sin is death. So Jesus shed his blood for your sins. 
He died to pay the price for sin, which is the penalty. That is the requirement. But he shows he has power to give everlasting life and salvation over sin and death. By his resurrection, he defeats hell and the grave. He defeats sin. He defeats all of that by, by proving he is God. He has power to give everlasting life. Like he said, because he said, as he said to Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. All those who believe in me will never die. Believest thou this? And you'll notice an interesting thing. Whenever Jesus made a claim, whenever Jesus made a specific power claim, he always proved it. We see uh, the, uh, uh, the the practical, uh, the theory and the, and the practical. The theory, which is the teaching, and then the practical, the hands-on, an actual example of this, a proof of this. Like he says, I'm the resurrection and the life, and he resurrects Lazarus from the grave. So whenever God says something, he proves it. And God says, this is, what, this is what is required for your salvation. The full work of Jesus Christ. You can't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ without preaching the resurrection. You can't preach about the work of Jesus Christ without preaching the resurrection. You can't preach about the cross without preaching the resurrection. Because they go hand in hand. It, it all part and parcel. You can't say you believe in Jesus and deny the resurrection. You can't say that Jesus is God and deny the resurrection. The resurrection is the ultimate, ultimate proof of his deity. Every single other thing that he did is not as powerful as the resurrection. Showing right there. This is the ultimate proof of his ability over life and death, everlasting life, proving his deity and who he is. He, they didn't kill him. He laid down his life. He gave up the ghost. As he says, let's go over to John chapter 10. Let's go over to John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life. I lay down my life, that I might take it again, bring myself back. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. He shows his true power, his true deity, his true love, his true fulfillment of the whole work by deliberately giving up his own life and bringing himself back again. It takes the whole work. This whole work is the whole point, the whole purpose, the whole the proof of his love for you by laying down his life and bringing himself back again. Because who would he be if he didn't bring himself back again? He'd be no different than any other so-called person that claimed to be a god. Jesus claimed to be God, and he proved it. He proved it. Every other prophet has died. Every other person who's ever claimed to be a god has died. They're still dead. <laughs> They're still dead. Uh, this reminds me of uh, a few years back. 
some of you older folks who've been in Christian coffee time uh, since the beginning, some of you might remember this. Um, years ago, I used to be on another platform called Periscope. And uh, um, I moved from there over to YouTube a few years back. But when I used to be back on Periscope, I had a lot of debates. A lot of people would come in. A lot of people coming to challenge. One individual came in. And uh, this individual was a believer in the in the Viking gods. You know, that religion, for some reason, is making a comeback. And, uh, yeah. And he was a full believer in the Viking gods. And he's he was mocking Jesus, mocking God, and mocking the Bible studies and everything, and and being very blasphemous and heretical. So I, I just stopped right there and I challenged him. I challenged him to to a debate. Is I have some knowledge of the the Viking mythology and all of that, and he goes on talking about his gods. I was like, okay, can I ask you just a quick question? He's like, sure. I'm like, okay. Do you know much about the Viking mythology of Ragnarok, the end of days, the great battle of the gods? He's like, oh yeah, I, I know about that. I'm like, okay. So you understand how in, in according to the Norse mythology and all that, the teaching of that of Ragnarok, that many of the gods, pretty much all but one of them actually survives and all of the other gods die. Like literally cease to exist they're gone, permanently dead, gone. He's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, no, I know about that. I'm like, okay, I got a question for you about that. How are they gods if they die and stay dead, game over, the end? How are they gods? You see, Jesus is God. He was put to death, but he brought himself back to life and he is still alive. All of, the, uh, all of the, those Norse gods are dead and gone, game over. Jesus is God, they're not. He was silent for a minute. And then he came back with, tell me more about Jesus. So I gave him the gospel and he got saved right there in the broadcast. This is awesome. Praise the Lord on that. But shows the power of the resurrection. How is Jesus different than any other so-called God if he didn't resurrect from the dead? If he didn't bodily resurrect from the dead. The bodily resurrection of himself who amongst us can resurrect ourselves from the dead? Oh, sure, we can die and our spirits can go on, but we can't resurrect ourselves from the dead. Oh, Lazarus and many other people were brought back to life through, through the scriptures. You see many people coming back to life by the power of God, but not by their own power, but by Jesus' own power. As we read in John 10, I have power. Over life and death. He gives eternal life. He accepts worship. He claims the names of God. It's in his name the devils are put to flight. It's in his name we pray. In the name of Jesus, which is which is the name above all names. At whose name every knee will bow. It, it, look what he says in John, John 10, verse 27. My sheep. He claims my sheep. What does he say earlier? In chapter 10, verse 11. Look at chapter 10, verse 11 of John. John chapter 10, verse 11. What does Jesus say? I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. All uppercase L-O-R-D. 
Jehovah God is what that means. Jesus right here in John 10 verse 11 claims to be Jehovah God, the great shepherd of Israel. And he says, look what he says in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. Here's the point of the resurrection. Here's the whole point of the resurrection. How can he give you give you eternal life? How can he give you everlasting life if he can't resurrect himself from the dead? How can he give you everlasting life if he can't resurrect himself from the dead? Because if he didn't resurrect himself from the dead, your faith is vain, you're yet in your sins. You don't have everlasting life. You're still damned to hell. There's no point where all is lost. All preaching is vain. You see that. Do you see? It's not just the cross. It's not just the shedding of the blood. It's not just the death. It's the resurrection. It's the shedding of the blood, the death, and the resurrection all goes together. That the cross, the bear, the resurrection, it's all the solid work of Jesus Christ. It's all the work there. Proving it all. The atonement was finished. It is, it is finished referring to the atonement. The atonement for sin. Then we see the cap on on this. The proof of the power of everlasting life is the resurrection. That Christ fulfilled it all. And if Christ be not raised, then he's not God, and you're yet in your sins. Tell me you understand that. Please tell me you understand that. Please tell me you get that. If you have any comments, questions, issues, insights on that, please let me know. Now, uh, as some people uh, will completely may misunderstand the cherry pick and they, they won't be listening probably they'll say the brother matthew says the blood of jesus is insufficient no i never said that i never claim that i'm saying that 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 uh, it's the whole work there needed to be the shedding of the blood there needed to be the death and there needed to be the resurrection each of these if he just shed his blood we're yet in our sins look what he says if he just shed his blood and died, we're yet in our sins. But he needed to shed his blood and die and resurrect. That's what it says. Read it. It's what it says. So we needed the blood atonement for sin because uh, there had to be a shedding of blood for sin. That's what God established back with Adam. But there had to be the sacrifice of a lamb, which is a death, a shedding of blood. Uh, Hebrews 9, without shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And we see uh, in Romans 6, uh, we see, uh, I think it's Romans 6, that's about the wages of sin is death. That there's the penalty, the penalty of sin is death. So as he took our sins upon himself and he shed his blood for our sins, he died to pay the full price of there. Then he resurrected himself to show he can give everlasting life over death, over sin. Okay. I'm out of breath. I need to slow down. I get really excited over over this. Now, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. We see the nonsense of the cults by this. Nonsense of the cults, like Jehovah's Witnesses, who say that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. 
You got a lot of problems with that. An awful lot of problems. Let alone in Jude, we see Michael the Archangel is less powerful than Lucifer. <laughs> uh, but then you're telling me then that's the blood of an angel, not the blood of God. You're telling me that an angel accepted worship, which is blasphemy. You're telling me an angel claimed the names of God, which is blasphemy. You're telling me it, telling me that salvation comes by an angel and not God? It makes no sense. A complete corruption by that. You see, Roman Catholicism, uh, uh, where they make uh, Jesus an, an incompetent baby and he needs his mommy. But more than that, okay, what is the whole point of the the crucifixion of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, if according to Roman Catholicism, is Mary the grand redemptress? That she's the one that redeems you. How does Mary redeem you when she didn't pay anything? She didn't shed her blood and die. She wasn't resurrected. She did nothing. Jesus did the work. Why is she called the grand redemptress? Jesus is the grand redeemer. He's the redeemer, not Mary. He's, he's the one that saves you, not his mommy. He's the one that paid the price and did all the work. And the scriptures say he's the one that saves. He gives everlasting life, not his mommy. And you see, Roman Catholicism gives all the glory to his mother. And we see Islam flat out denying the very crucifixion. And you see how every single other belief system in the entire world attacks the work of Christ in some way, shape, or form. Either by reducing his sovereignty, changing the cross, changing the burial, changing the resurrection, or changing the very purpose uh, that it's all for grace. Like Seventh-day Adventism. They, they say they believe in the deity of Christ. They say they believe in the, in, the, in the cross, the burial, the resurrection. They believe in all of that, but then they tack on to it that you need to also help him save you because you have to maintain keep the law because if you don't follow the law, you won't enter heaven. That's the investigative judgment doctrine of Seventh-day Adventism. So we see the importance of this. We could go into all kinds of other outside source arguments, but scripture alone is sufficient. And again, like I said earlier, God is not, not the one on trial. You are. That the scriptures are true. This did happen. This is how it is. It wasn't changed. This is who Jesus is. You either believe it or you don't. You either believe it or you don't. We don't have to prove this. I'm just showing you what scripture flat out says. I'm not, that the scriptures don't have to be proven. They need to be preached. And you believe it. And like, like he says up here. Um, lost it. Uh, oh, there it is. Uh, verse 11. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 11. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believed. We preach it, you believe it. He doesn't say... We argue it, or we have to prove it, or we have to persuade you. He says we preach it. I don't have to. I don't have to try to sway you. I don't have to try to win you over. I'm just telling you what it is. This is what it is. And right here, what does that show? What does that declare? Boldness. Boldness. And belief. Because to preach it is to believe it you believe it because i'm not i'm not trying to use all kinds of other arguments and all kinds of other sources all kinds of other things to try to convince you this is sufficient this is sufficient 
I don't need anything else. I just need to know what this says. I just say what this says, and that's sufficient. To believe scripture. That to believe it with a conviction. To believe it with a conviction. You're going to tell others very dogmatically. You're going to tell others very adamantly, very clearly, this is what it is. This is who Jesus is. This is what he did. And this is what you must do. This is what you must do. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Because he has power to save you. How, well, how do you know? Because he resurrected himself from the dead. Well, I don't know about that. He flat out said he would. And he did. He kept his word. God cannot lie. Look what Paul says. Verse 18. Then they which, which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only. If in this life only we have hope. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If this is all there is, what's the point of that? That's also addressing atheism. This isn't all that there is. That there's life after. There's life after. Now see, this is why, when I go back to earlier, in verse 12, where I was talking about the Sadducees, Versus uh, and the Greeks, how they deny the resurrection. See, the thing is, the Greeks believed in a life after. They believed in spirits. They believed in an afterlife. The Sadducees did not. The Sadducees believed in only physicality. They denied angels. They denied spirit. They denied resurrection. And right here, this is why, in verse 19, that we kind of... Uh, believe that it was an influence of the Sadducee cult sect upon the churches. That the Sadducees were going around and influencing people into, into their way of thinking. Because the Sadducees do not believe in angels or spirit or resurrection. As you see in verse 19, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So right there, he's addressing the false theology, the false doctrines of the Sadducees. Now, we see something interesting here in verse 19 is a cross-reference with John chapter 5. And where are we? There it is. So John chapter 5, we want verses 28 to 29. John chapter 5, verses 28 to 29 regarding resurrection as there is something more there is something more and there will be a great resurrection now when we when we talk about the great resurrection we're, we're talking about when when christ comes and we are taken up to meet him we are resurrected we are raptured we're taken up the, the gathering of the saints together so we would say well there is no rapture in the bible rapture is a false word The word rapture is a title term that is given to the biblical doctrine of the gathering of the saints unto Christ. When Christ comes again and he, and he calls us up, we, we are taken up. We are gathered unto Christ. The word that is used to get to, uh, given to that doctrine, to that teaching is rapture. There you are. Get over it. All right. So in John chapter 5, verses 20, 29, many people are... They may have read this, but it hasn't really clicked, or they don't remember this, uh, that there's another rapture. There's another resurrection. There's another change. 
Marvel not at this. So we see John chapter 5, verses 28, 29. Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in, in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. And shall come forth they that have done good. Now what is good according to God? What shall we do that might work the works of God? This is the work of God. You believe in him who hath sent the goodness of God. That, that, that we see that which is good unto God is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that have done good. It's not talking about works based or any of that kind of thing. I'm talking about those that have believed in the Lord. Because look what he says. Those that have done good unto the resurrection of life. Who's going to be given eternal life? Who's going to, who are those that, that receive everlasting life? Those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. That's interesting. Now, John chapter 5, verses 20 and 29, those are the red letters. That's Jesus talking. Jesus says, there's two resurrections. Jesus says that the believers will be resurrected into everlasting life, and the unbelievers will be resurrected. Now, what does that, what does that mean? What's, what does that entail? <clears throat> Bodily bodily that all all saved and unsaved all will be brought up bodily before the lord the saved will be changed those that are saved those that have the everlasting life will be changed with a resurrection body uh, and when we will never die the unsaved will be brought up unchanged that they will still have their unsaved bodies this is why hell is called the second death this is where the annihilationists get it wrong they think that the resurrection is spirit but but scripture says no and this is why second death because they're cast in the lake of fire and their body dies again that's what the bible calls it second death the body without the spirit is dead. So the body dies. The spirit goes down to hell to await the judgment. And the day of judgment comes and everything is resurrected back up. And they are judged for their sins and cast like a fire. Body dies. Their spirit is still there. The spirits don't disappear. Spirits don't die. Spirits don't die. Bodies do. Just wanted to put that in there. But the point is the power of the resurrection. Now, who is the one on the throne who is the one on the throne who is the one that resurrects christ christ has power to resurrect go back in the old testament we see who is the god of israel when elijah was with that widow woman and the widow woman's son died and elijah takes the bo the boy into the upper room and he prays and he calls upon the lord who resurrected that boy back to life? We see all throughout the scriptures, the one who has power, the one who has life, the one who has life, the one, the, the one who, who does all of this is God. 
all throughout the scripture you see the power of everlasting life the power of uh, the give life and the power to judge to condemn christ is god he resurrected himself god cannot die so god cannot die god is spirit those who believe those who believe in him as believe in him in spirit and in truth worship him in spirit and in truth god is spirit spirits can't bleed spirits can't die so philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 8 he fashions a body for himself so that he could and he humbled himself on the death even the death of the cross acts 20 28 god purchased the church with his own blood so he fashioned a body that could so he could give himself and he bore all these things a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief he felt it all he experienced it all he went through it all he was he would nail he allowed himself to be nailed to the cross he shed his own blood he gave up the ghost he died then he and it, as we talked about how his spirit went down to sheol to paradise and he preached across the gulf the spirits in prison telling them why they were there and and, and what's going on explaining to them the the judgment of their sins and then he resurrected himself from the dead and he showed himself unto many and he proved himself in many infallible proofs and he's alive forevermore if in this life we have hope in christ if in this life only we have hope in christ we are of all men most miserable to deny the power of the resurrection to deny the power of something more to deny the reality of something more that jesus wasn't just a man he wasn't just a man it this it's not just about physicality this universe isn't all that there is. There's something beyond, something more. There's something more. But people get so focused. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not about all of this. It's not about this world. It's not about physicality. It's about something more. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the person of Jesus Christ. But it's about God. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But the hope is not in this life. The hope is in the next life. I don't want this life to continue. I don't want to live in this body forever. I don't want to live in this physicality forever. I want to go to somewhere else. I want to go to something greater, something better, something more. I want to move on. It's not hope in this life. It's the hope in the next. That Christ did all of that. The death, burial, resurrection. He did all of that to give you something more. To look something to look forward to. The kingdom of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God. Something to look forward to. Verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Christ is risen. God is risen. God is alive. There is something more. For since by man came death, Adam, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. So we see, as in Adam, all die, in Christ, all are made alive. And this is this correlates with John chapter 3. You're born once of flesh, you're born of blood, you're born of water, you must be born of spirit. You must be born of spirit, you must be born again. And just as you had nothing to do with your physical birth, you have nothing to do with your spiritual for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Uh, uh, an, another title for Jesus is second Adam. As in the first, first Adam, 
you're born physically. In the second Adam, you're born spiritually. Uh, so another, another preacher also brought another interesting correlation. The first garden, Garden of Eden, sin was brought into the world. But we see by the Garden of Gethsemane, we see how Christ brought life. He brought salvation. First Adam, second Adam, first garden, second garden. We see so many things. God loves pictures. God loves pictures. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, after, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign. He must reign. You see by Isaiah 9, 6, the government will be upon his shoulders. All power, all rule, all authority. Why? Because he's God. Because he's God. For he must reign. He hath put all enemies under his feet. He will judge all. The last enemy that should be destroyed is death. We see that he has power over life and death. He as the mighty judge sitting on the throne. And that last day, that last and terrible day of the Lord, of the great judgment, God will lay hold on death and cast death into the lake of fire. It's all done. It's all done. Verse 27, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he... But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Where, where the body that God formed, that God fashioned for himself, Jesus, who is called Jesus. What do we see here? When all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him. Talking about how the Lord has established that it is through this, that God has fashioned, God has given. It's through his Son, it's through Jesus. All life, all power, all things is established here. Not what you want, you think, you believe, or any other thing. It's through Jesus and Jesus alone. I am the way, the truth, the life. It is established here. God has established it's through Jesus. It's through his body. It's through his work. It's through his blood, his death, his resurrection. It's through what he did, not what you do. It's not what you say, you think, you hold, or any other thing. It's through Jesus and Jesus alone. It's through the full work of the full name of the full person of Jesus Christ. Why? Why? Verse 28. Put all things in him, that God may be all in all. It's all about God, not you. It's all about God, not me. It's all about his glory, not mine. His righteousness, not mine. He is the all in all, not me. He's the I am, not me. He calls himself the I am because you're not. God is the all in all. God is the all in all. All right, so uh, let's catch up here with some of the comments. Um, okay. Uh, the question by Kenneth, I'll address it at the end. I don't want to derail the, the, the thing here, so I'll address yours at the end. Just remind me if I forget. 
uh, okay, uh, uh, bad uh, vibes says, why do the sinners have to be tortured in hell? Isn't that extreme? And we take a look at what God has established here, and I know the doctrine of hell is one of the most hated doctrines of the entire Word of God. Hell is the place of absence of God, complete and utter absence of God. Uh, the wrath of God upon sin. God, the wrath of God is upon sin. And if you are not free from your sins, the wrath of God will be upon you. And hell is for sin. Hell is for sin and the devil. As the Bible says, hell was not made for man, but for Satan for, uh, for Satan and his angels. But because man, mankind sinned and rebelled against the Lord, therefore we fall under the, the judgment, fall under the wrath. And the wrath is then upon us as well. But we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are freed from the condemnation of our sins, separated from, from our sins there. And the judgment of God does not come upon us. But those that, that die have rejected God. They have flat out rejected God, rejected Jesus Christ knowingly, and that they therefore that them must pay the consequences of their choice. They've been warned, they've been told, they've been shown, and they spit in the face of God, and they think that they can they can escape it. They think they can escape the wrath of God. They think they can escape the judgment of God. But when they die, they open their eyes in flame and torment. Uh, Awaiting the, uh, uh, the day of judgment, and they are brought up, and their, their books are open, they are judged for their sins, and they are cast in the lake of fire. That's the judgment. That's the penalty. That's the wages of sin. And they have chosen that. They have chosen that. You see, God it, it doesn't bring these things as surprises. God doesn't do surprises like that. It, he makes all things clear and open unto all. He warns all. He warned Adam. He told Adam and Eve, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. What did they do? Eat it anyways. What does he say to sinners? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. What does he say? If you don't, you will not enter the kingdom of God, but the wrath of God will be upon you. Jesus told them. God warned. God told. God warned everyone. He warns by the prophets. He warns by the preachers. He warns by, tell him that he's warned by angels. He's, he tells you, God is not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want you to go to hell. So he tells you, make sure you understand and know this. God doesn't send people to hell. You send yourself. God doesn't want that to happen. But sin must be judged. Sin must be dealt with. Sin must be cast away. And if you are not free from it, if you're chained to your sins still, your sins drag you to hell. You sin yourself by rejection of the Lord. Hell was made for the judgment of sin. And if you're not free from your sins, your sins drag you there. And you sin yourself. God judges those who reject him. This is the way, the truth, and the life. You could choose to not believe it all you want. I absolutely hate mosquitoes. I despise mosquitoes. I hate mosquitoes. I wish all mosquitoes would just die. I hate mosquitoes so much. I can choose to not believe in mosquitoes all I want. That doesn't make them cease to exist. I can hate the, the doctrine of hell all I want that doesn't make it, it cease to exist. I can try to change the doctrines of hell in my mind all I want that doesn't change the reality of it. You can change the truth. I'm not saying this is what you're doing. But you can change the truth of God into a lie all you want. Make it after your own imagination all you want. That's not going to change the very existence of hell. It is what it is because God said this, this is what it is. And that sinners wind up 
in the lake of fire in the end because of their personal choice. God created that place for Lucifer. God created that place for the fallen angels. It was not made for man, as the Bible says. It was made for the devil and his angels. But now, because sin is now upon mankind, mankind is in danger of the judgment. But God is not willing that any should perish. He made a way of escape so you could be freed from this. You wouldn't have to go there. But the consequences of rejecting Jesus Christ is why is now joining Lucifer and his angels because your sins are dragged to hell. Make sure you're not connected. Okay. I hope that makes sense. Um... Force says, so the fallen angels and the souls of the unsaved will live forever in the lake of fire? Yes. That's what the Bible says. Annihilationism is a false doctrine. The Bible flat out says in multiple uh, multiple uh, states, multiple passages about the eternal torment, the eternal punishment. Uh, the, 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 uh, the flame dieth not, the uh, smoke rises forever of their torment, the wailing and the gnashing of teeth. And, talk, and it describes how it is the second death is not souls because spirits spirits don't die. Spirits don't die. Bodies do. And it, the Bible says in John 5, they are resurrected. Resurrected. That's the bodily resurrection. Um, those that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation, then they're cast in and the bodies die, but the spirits live on. That's what the bible says and we can hate that all you want but that won't change it it's what it is the power of the resurrection uh, that god christ jesus has the power of the resurrection okay <clears throat> okay troll says he reaches even one of the last primal tribes in Africa. There is a Christian over there uh, preaching to help them get saved. Exactly. And just as we see at the, how far God reaches, because he doesn't want people to go there. He doesn't want people to go to the judgment. How far he reaches. We see in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, we see here, after this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations, all nations and kindreds, and people and tongues that means every single language tribe kindred people group in the entire world all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our god who sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb that people are literally saved out of every single language tribe kindred and people group in the entire world that that the question about what about those who've never heard doesn't exist that's a false question it assumes that there are people groups that haven't heard when the bible says they have heard the gospel has gone into all the world the bible says for god so loved the world that he reached the whole world the whole world has been told has been warned has been given an opportunity and it's up the in, up to the individual to choose whether they'll believe or reject and those that reject um, there they will be resurrected to the resurrection of damnation those that have believed will be resurrected to the resurrection of life and those who believe will have everlasting life those who don't believe will have everlasting death everlasting judgment that's what the bible flat out says um 
Abad says, there's no way I can keep up with all the requirements to be saved. All the requirements? There's no works. It's just understanding who Jesus is and what he did. This is what we're talking about. I'm just going to the details of these things. But Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh? Do you believe that Jesus Christ went to the cross for your sins? He shed his blood and died, was buried, rose again the third day. Do you believe that? Have you personally told him? That's all. Romans 10, 9 to 10. You confess with your mouth the belief of your heart upon him what Jesus did for you and who he is. You accept him as your Lord God and Savior. Ask him to save you from your sins. You're saved. That's what the Bible says. It's not about works. It's not about religiosity. It's not about traditionalism. It's not about any of that. As it says, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's a work of the Spirit of God. He washes and regenerates you. We see Galatians 2.16, not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. We're justified by faith only, not of works. So all so the requirement says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Making sure it's the Jesus of the Bible, not the Catholic Jesus, not the Seventh-day Adventist Jesus, not the Mormon Jesus, not any other Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible, who is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh. So the, so to say all the requirements, it sounds like you're conflating the gospel of Christ with the false gospels of works. There are no works for salvation other than the work of Jesus Christ. He did the work, not us. He did all that's required. I have, I have to do nothing but believe. He said, it is finished. There's nothing more that needs to be done but believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. All right. That uh, says, you hate God's creation. God, uh, mosquitoes isn't hating sin. <laughs> hating what is a part of the fall of sin. When you actually do a study in Genesis, a study in Genesis, and uh, about all, about God made made all things good. When God made all things in Genesis, lions weren't eating animals at the beginning. There was no death. There was no death, no corruption, no evil, no negativity. Sin hadn't fallen yet. But as a direct result of the fall of sin. We see God actually curses the ground and, and uh, there's a curse upon creation because of sin. And that's when we start seeing death. Death did not exist before this. And violence and, and death and uh, corruption and all this stuff and negativity of creation as we see thorns and thistles didn't exist before the fall of sin as God actually brought thorns and thistles as a part of the fall, fallen nature of sin upon creation. And this is where we start seeing pain and agony and things and we see uh, other creatures uh, biting and killing and, and fighting other creatures. And um, as we also see mosquitoes and ticks and biting flies and and other dangers and things that the things that they do is a direct result of sin so absolutely i hate that which is a direct result of sin and that's not wrong god did not create murder and violence and evil and wicked and death that's a direct result of sin all right 
If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. I don't want to live forever in this life. And that's the point that Paul's getting across in 1 Corinthians 15. As we just talked about how, uh, how sin has influenced all the things of this world. I don't want to live forever in this world. Do you? Do you? Do you want to live forever in this world? I want to be changed. I want to go on to the next life, to the next world. I want to go on to, uh, to be with the Lord. But now it is Christ risen to give us hope. The resurrection of Christ gives us hope. Something to look forward to of how we are going to be changed. We will receive a resurrection body like Christ, which is free from sin, free from death, free from all negativity, that will live forever. A changed body. A changed body. Now, uh, okay, verse 28, that God may be all in all. And this is the whole point. It's all to his glory of his work of his creation. Verse 20, else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? What's the point of all of this? Point of baptism. Baptism would be baptism for the dead. Because what baptism symbolizes, baptism symbolizes the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. What it be baptism for the dead if Christ is not raised. But it's, it's baptism for life. It's the baptism for the everlasting life. It's a baptism of the life of Christ. Because Christ is risen. Baptism is the symbol of the work of Jesus Christ. The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not pouring or sprinkling or any of that kind of thing. It's actual immersion. Because no, no other form of baptism symbolizes the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. So else, what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Well, you just go under the water and stay under the water then, I guess. Because there's no resurrection if Christ is not raised. And why, st and why stand we in jeopardy every hour? And then it goes on to another argument. Another argument here. Verse 30. If Christ is not raised, and yet we're preaching that Jesus Christ is raised... Why are we giving our, our, our lives, giving our bodies to this teaching, to this doctrine, if it's not true? Why would we be doing that? Why would we be going out and, and endangering our very lives and giving up our lives to preach of a resurrection that didn't happen? Why would we be doing that? It makes no sense. And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. It's, it says... Uh, they rejoice in their doctrines, which are corrupted. He's, he goes on to talk about what he's given for this and what it actually is. And he goes on to talk about the things that he suffered for this gospel. For the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord God, Jesus Christ. He goes on to explain some of the things that he suffered for this gospel. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus... Now, you need to understand something here. The Apostle Paul is a, an example of the power of God's resurrection. The power of God over life and death. Because listen to this. The Apostle Paul was arrested and beaten and judged many times. Many, many times. He was, he was arrested and thrown into coliseums where he fought with men to the death and fought with beasts 
to the death. Look what he says. I have, uh, I have fought with uh, the manner of men. I have fought with beasts at Ephesus. What advantage it me if the dead rise not? And in, uh, we see in another passage, he talks about how he uh, it says in deaths often. He was a he was a day in the a day in the and a night in the in the deep. He was drowned. He was stoned to death. He he and he was put to death multiple times. And God brought him back to life. God brought him back to life. Christ brought him back to life multiple times. So look what he says here. What advantage is it me if the dead rise not? He'd be staying dead. But the, here's the thing. People knew this because there were other Christians with him witnessing him being stoned to death. And just so you, you, you're not thinking, well, you know, the little rocks. No, these the, the way people are stoned are great big rocks, two-handed rocks. They'd raise over their head and smash them on your body, shattering your bones and pummeling you to death. And when you were dead, they dragged you out and dumped you, which they did. They stoned him to death, dragged him out of the city, dumped him on the ground. He was dead. And the saints stood around him. And, and waited, and the Lord brought him back to life. And he stood up. The Lord knitted his bones and all of his sinews all together and, and brought him back to life. And he stood up, and they went back in the city and kept preaching. <laughs> That's just awesome. This is awesome. <laughs> for what advantage is it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die then. There's no point, no purpose to life, no purpose to anything if the dead rise not, if there, there is no resurrection. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Uh, it gives a warning. Be not deceived. Uh, don't let yourself be deceived. There are many false doctrines, false teachings, false uh, false things out there. We How can we know what is true and what is not? What does the scriptures flat out say? What has Christ said? What has Christ established? What has Christ done? What has Christ taught? That's what's true. Everything else is irrelevant. Our feelings, our opinions, other catechisms, councils, creeds, and commentaries, all irrelevant. All other beliefs of men are irrelevant. It only matters what the Bible flat out says. It says Jesus is God. It says that he shed his blood. It says that he died on the cross. He died. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He died on the cross, was buried, and he rose again the third day bodily. That's what it says. If you deny any of that, if you change any of that, you're in danger of the judgment. Be not deceived. Evil communications. Uh, those who are preaching evil things by what is evil? False doctrines, false gospels, false theologies will corrupt you. Will corrupt your intention of seeking good. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness. All right, so uh, verse 34, awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your, to your shame. Some have not the knowledge of God. As we see that he's talking to the church of Corinth, that there are some in that church who deny the resurrection. They have no knowledge of God. They think they do. They profess themselves to be wise, but they're fools. It's foolishness. It's nonsense. Absolute nonsense foolishness. 
like believing that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. Absolute nonsense. That's that's gospels of hell. Gospels, false gospels that demons have dreamt up and deceived people into, teaching uh, Roman Catholicism, foolishness, nonsense. A, a, a gospel of hell, same as Islam, Seventh-day Adventism, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, the, the, uh, Buddhism and Hinduism and Sikhism, Shintoism, and all the rest. Those are gospels of hell. Those are evil communications. They have no knowledge of God. They have no understanding. They are lost and they need to be told the truth. We need to go to them and show them the truth. Like how Paul is pleading with the church of Corinth, we need to plead with them. Show them the truth. Uh, I, okay, I'm going to address that one. So, Bad Vibes says, A black Hebrew Israelite, which is a satanic cult, they curse Jesus Christ, say all kinds of horrible, 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 blasphemous, heretical, vile, vulgar things about Jesus of the Bible. Um, they're a satanic cult to begin with. But a black Hebrew Israelite told me, that white people can't get saved because the crimes against humanity. Yes, because salvation is hinged upon skin color. <laughs> and to say that that white people are the only people that have done crimes against humanity is absolute nonsense. Show me a single people group in the entire world at any time in history that isn't guilty of doing something criminal against another race. Let alone that the Bible says that God has made made uh, made, made uh, all the kindreds of the earth of one blood. All the all, all mankind, all the kindreds of the earth are of one blood. All people are made in the image of God, and God's to love the world, not skin color. God couldn't care less what your what your skin color is. He couldn't care less what your language is. He couldn't care less. But any of that, let alone flat out, he God doesn't care what you did, because all sins are forgiven. All sins are forgiven. There is no sin, no crime that is greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. So that that uh, cultist right there, that black Hebrew is like cultist, is changing Jesus Christ, changing God, changing the gospel, changing the scriptures to fit his own theology, which is demonic and satanic. That is evil communications uh, seeking to corrupt uh, the good, seeking to corrupt people. He's changing the truth of God into a lie, and he worships and serves the creature more than the creator because he worships and serves himself and his own, and his own God of his own imagination. He has no knowledge of God. He has no knowledge of God. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And he's addressing those that are changing the truth of God like that cultist but some some men will say how are the dead raised up how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come thou fool that which thou sowest is not quickened it's except it die as he talks talks about sowing uh, like for example sowing a field you take seed you, you you throw seed into the ground seeds are a very representation of the resurrection a change of life that how, a, how how a seed is sown into the ground and how it completely changes into a completely different thing some men would say well how are the dead raised up well that in itself is a ridiculous question god 
the power of the living God. How are the dead raised? By the power of the living God. That there is a God. That it's the power of God, not my power. It's the power of God, not angels. It's the power of God, not nebulous energy, universe energies. It's not the power of crystals and rituals and demons. It's the power of God. God resurrects. God resurrects. And like uh, the previous video I did, uh, talking about how progressive Christians are getting mad at Christian coffee time. And I, I, I mentioned how uh, the, the one individual was, was angry at me and calling me names and saying I need to get my head checked because I said that the spirit of the prophet Samuel is what spoke to King Saul in 1 Samuel. Uh, and uh, he says uh, that's that wasn't the spirit of prophet Samuel. Anyone saying that was the spirit of prophet Samuel needs to get their head checked. And then he put a link of my own message there. But again, we see God, it has the power of the resurrection. God brought up the spirit of the prophet Samuel, not the witch, not demons, not the power of witchcraft, necromancy, not by any other thing. God has the power of souls. God's, God owns all the souls, Ezekiel 18, 4, not anyone else. God brought up the spirit of the prophet Samuel like he did the spirit of, of Elijah and Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration. Let alone the scriptures fly to say, and Samuel says, and Samuel says, and Samuel says, as the Lord spoke by me, this prophecy of you, how the kingdom will be rent for you, given to David, as Samuel said, it was Samuel, because God brought up the spirit. God has the power of living souls. God is the one who breathed into Adam the breath of life and created a living soul. In him is the power of life and death, nothing else. Thou fool. Look what Paul says. Thou fool. To deny these things. To reject these things. To, to change these things. is absolute foolishness. Because you're saying God is a liar. To change, deny what the scripture says. Is to say that God is a liar. That God made a mistake. That you know better than God. And to do that is absolutely the height of foolishness so we need to we need to see what does the lord say thou fool that which thou sowest is not quickened except that quickened means to be brought to life to be given life to be given life that's a quickened means and it says how, how the lord quickens the soul he quickens me the word quickened means to be given life to give energy to give life the seed is given life when it dies in the ground and it, it breaks apart and, the, and it brings life up out of the seed. Verses, and after that, and, and, and that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that, that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. I'm talking about like sowing seeds in the ground. But God giveth it a body. God is the one that gives the power of the change of the seeds. Do you cause to come out of that seed, the, 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 the wheat or the grain or the barley or whatever it is? Are you the one that has the power of the seed? Where is the power of the change in life, the change of the seed? Where does that power come from? Who brings life in the womb? Psalms 139, 13 to 16. Who knits together that life in the womb? Life begins at conception, is what, what the scriptures flat out say. Who has power over our life? Who, who's the one that, that brings life in the womb? Who's the one that brings life from the seeds? God. 
But God, verse 8, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fish, and, a, and another of birds. There are, there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, spiritual and physical. But the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. The wage of sin is death. And as the scripture says, it point out to men once to die and after this the judgment. Whether or not you believe in the Lord. But it's appointed to men once to die. The corruption is the death. The corruption is the death. So is also the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in incorruption. It is raised in incorruption. Only in Christ. Or other, otherwise you are resurrected to the resurrection of damnation. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. And there is a spiritual body god says who are we to say otherwise who are we to say otherwise there are so so many differing opinions and beliefs in this uh, all the other religions and belief systems out there and, and with their own ideas what they think is going to happen to them after life some people believe they're going to come back as a cow some people believe they come back as bugs or you come back as another person. So you believe that you just kind of go into a nebulous energy field of the universe. Some people believe that uh, you go on to different types of, uh, of gods, heavens or Valhalla or whatever else on different places. But God says, who are we to say otherwise? Who are we to try to change this? There is. Only one way, one truth, one life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. There's only one who has the power of life and death. There's only one who, who gives life. There's only one who can forgive sins. There's only one way of salvation. There aren't there are multiple. Oh, don't get me wrong. Every single belief system in the entire world will get you to God. At the great white throne judgment. But there's only one way that will bring you to everlasting life and salvation. There's only one way that will have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There's only one way that your sins will be forgiven. When the Lord looks upon you, he will see the righteousness of his Son imputed. And, and you, will hear, you will hear the words, name found written. There is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. It is so vitally important to prepare yourself for that. To consider that. What is going to happen to you after you die? One second after you die, you're going to take your last breath. Your heart will beat its last beat. The brain will fire its last neuron. 
you will open your eyes in either or. Either you will immediately open your eyes in glory, beholding the face of Jesus Christ, beholding the glories of God, or you will, like the rich man, that wasn't a parable, like the rich man, or you will open your eyes in flame and torment, and you'll be joining that rich man in screams of water. Send Lazarus to fetch water to cool my tongue, and you'll be in there listening to the wailings and the screams of the damned, awaiting the great judgment, where you'll be brought up before the Lord and judged for your sins, and you'll be screaming, Lord, Lord, but he will cause you to remember every time you've been given a chance, every time that the Lord has tried to reach you, tried to warn you, tried to tell you, he'll make you remember every time you saw that gospel tract and ignored it, every time you heard the gospel, you heard the message, you saw the truth, heard the truth, someone tried to tell you and you ignored it, you shunned it, you, you shirked it, you pushed it away, you ignored it, he'll cause you to remember every time he tried to reach you, every time he tried to convict you, every time he tried to spark up a memory of something of a Sunday school message or something to try to draw you back to try to get you to remember he'll make you remember so, so as the scriptures say you are without excuse you're without excuse and you'll scream but Lord Lord he say, but I don't know you you will have been resurrected your body will be brought back you'll stand before the Lord as you're standing today You'll stand right in front of him. You will see no smile. He'll be your judge, not your savior. You will hear name not found written. The most terrifying words in all of existence, of all time. The most terrifying words. Name not found written. Because you'll be waiting. Even there'll be a slight hope. You'll be standing there waiting. Maybe, 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 maybe. But nope. Then you hear name not found written. And then the Lord says, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire and torment, prepared for the devil and his angels. I don't know you. And he throws you into the lake of fire and you're done. And that's where you'll be. That's what God says. You can deny that. You can change it. You can hate that. You can try to do whatever you want to that, but it won't change it. This is what it is. This is what will happen. But if you believe the power of the living God who is the Savior of all men the Lord Jesus Christ and his death burial, resurrection the power of the resurrection the power of his death the power of his blood the power of the cross of his atonement of his work of who he is you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ you will have everlasting life you'll be born into life so in the day you die that the, your your brain will fire the last neuron your heart will take its last beat you'll take your last breath one second later you stand before the Lord, justified in Jesus Christ, change in the twinkling of an eye. And on that day, the resurrection, your body will be brought up changed, not like as you are today. Changed, no sin, no death, no negativity, completely changed in an everlasting body, standing before the Lord. And you will hear no judge of your sins, your sins have been dealt with. Your sins have been dealt with. You've been resurrected to the resurrection of life. 
There is no judgment. Your sins have been dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ. There, you will not be judged for your sins. The books will be grabbed and the books will be opened and the finger of God will go down. Name found written. Because you found the name of Jesus Christ. Because you found Christ. God finds you. You stand before the Lord changed because Jesus Christ changed you. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You are born again, saved. But there is no other way. All the others that, that are masquerading as gods, those false, false gods, those demons, those devils masquerading as deities are going to be standing in the crowd as it says everything will be brought up. All men, all women, all angels, all devils, everything will stand before the Lord and will bow the knee and be, and be forced to call him Lord. Then all those that are masquerading as gods will stand before the true God. First John 5.20, Jesus Christ is the true God and eternal life. And he will judge them for their crimes against humanity, for the crimes of rebellion and fighting against God. And they will be cast in the lake of fire. Lucifer will be cast in the lake of fire. The Antichrist, the false prophet, will be cast in the lake of fire. And then God turns his attention to the crowds of the people. He's not looking forward to it. And a cry will go up so great when the division is brought through the saved, the unsaved, the screams. God is not looking forward to that. But it must be done. They were given a chance. They rejected the everlasting one. They rejected Jesus Christ. They rejected the cross. They rejected his grace. They rejected his resurrection. They, they modified him. They tried they try to change him. They tried to change the truth of God into lies. They served false Christ, false Jesus. They mocked the gospel of, of Christ. They mocked the false, uh, the, the, uh, they mocked with their false beliefs. And now God must turn his attention to them. They'll be crying, this can't be real, this can't be real, this can't be real. And it is. It's more real than you know. That's why the Lord says, let today be the day of salvation. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears a little time and vanishes away. You have no idea when your time is coming. Prepare for the resurrection. Prepare for that day. Prepare for the afterlife. Prepare for the spiritual life. You have a spiritual body. Now, when your body dies, your spirit will move on, will go on. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what language you are. It doesn't matter what sins you've committed. All sins will be forgiven. If you would just bow your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. Giving the picture of the second Adam is a picture of Jesus Christ, is a name of Jesus Christ. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. As you, as you have that which is inherited by Adam, then you have that which is inherited by Jesus. You must be born again. You must inherit the life of the second Adam, the life of Jesus Christ. Howbeit that was that 
Albeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And that is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. We take upon the character, that we take upon the nature. As we have right now the nature of Adam, which is the nature of sin. We believe on the Lord, we take on the nature of Christ, which is the nature of righteousness and everlasting life. Of a new spirit, a change within us. So we also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. You must be changed to inherit heaven. God, uh, God will not allow sin to enter his presence. Sin and corruption cannot inherit heaven. These bodies, the way they are, cannot inherit heaven. They must be changed. Your sins must be dealt with. Verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We're not just going to stay dead. We're not just going to stay in the grave. We will be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. This goes with Second Thessalonians. And chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Are gathering together unto him. That's the second coming of Christ. When he comes, and the trumpet of God shall sound, we shall be taken up, we'll be changed, and though those which are saved in Christ, which have passed away, those which are in the uh, those which are in the graves, they they will be taken up. We will be changed, taken up in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, this uh, corruptible body, sinful body, must put on incorruption, will be changed into a different body. And this mortal must put on immortality. You never die. Death is a direct result of sin. But now, but now that we're in Christ, our bodies are changed. There is no sin in our new heavenly bodies. We will never die. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So in this corruption, so, sorry, verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Things to look forward to. It's not in this life only we have hope, but a hope to come, a hope in glory. O death, verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, having said all this, brethren, Christians, believers of Jesus Christ, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our Lord, the God, the King of resurrection, 
the king of life the king of salvation the god of salvation the god of resurrection for there is not one single other deity in that's known in the entire world that has power over life and death like our lord no other belief system in the entire world has a resurrected savior give that some thought first corinthians 15. So there you go, folks. There you go. First Corinthians 15. Any comments, questions, issues, insights, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. All God's people said, amen, amen. Yeah, praise the Lord that that uh, that he will do what he said, that God keeps his word. God keeps his word. God cannot lie. God does not change. He said this. He said this through the mouth of his preacher, the apostle Paul. God said through Paul this. The hope of the resurrection, the hope of the change, the hope of heaven, the hope of Christ. God said it. That we look forward to that. That all the issues and the problems of this life are nothing. Absolutely nothing. This life is not even a blip on the screen of eternity. I once saw the most perfect picture, the most perfect example of this, of eternity. This life, okay. Use your sanctified imagination. Okay, I want you to picture it. This life is like a grain of sand on your finger. Okay? A single grain of sand on your finger. Eternity? The Sahara Desert. Think about that. It, it, it almost breaks your mind. But it's even more than that. Because Sahara Desert is limited. There is an actual number which if you could possibly number it the sahara desert actually has a limit of how many sand grains there are but imagine eternity of sand and so a single grain of sand to that this life is nothing don't worry about the things of this life the troubles and the trials of this life are nothing to be compared to the glories that are going to be in the life next, the life to come. Because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything will be changed. Your scars will be gone. The pagan tattoos of someone else will be gone. It'll all be gone. All negativity, all corruption. All sin, all death, all of that, gone. God wipes away the tears. New body changed as the body of Jesus on that resurrection morning, as Jesus was whipped and torn to pieces and mutilated. His visage was so marred, you couldn't even recognize him to look at him, the scriptures say. His bones are visible. They tore the flesh from his body with the whips, and all of that was changed in a moment. On that resurrection morning, he only kept the nail scars and the spear hole. Everything else was healed and fixed. And he will heal and fix you on that resurrection day. Think about that. The glories of our Lord because, because you believed. Because you believed. Not because you did. Not because you maintained. Not because you kept. 
Not because of, of your of your denominational distinctives. Because you have believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Not because you said a prayer. Not because you got dunked in water. But because you believed on the Lord God, Jesus Christ. Because you're saved by grace through faith, by belief alone. Not by any other thing. Not by any other name. But not by any other work. Not by your righteousness. But by the righteousness of his dear son. By the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because of your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be changed. You will be. As God said so. People say, well, how can you know? Because God said so. And that is sufficient. And that is all we need. That's all we need. To believe. 1 Corinthians 15. The bad wife says, I'm going to ask God to put my name in his book. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And right where you are. Right where you are. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh? Do you believe that? Just as he says, just as he proved, he is the Christ. The Samaritan woman at the well says, We know that when the Messiah comes, which is called Christ, he will teach us all things. And Jesus says, I that speak unto thee am he. Go back into the scriptures. What does it say? Who is the Christ, the mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful, the Counselor? This is what it says. He's the mighty God. Jesus says, that's me. Do you believe that he went to the cross for your sins? That he shed his blood and died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures? Do you believe that? Then tell him. Then simply tell him you believe. Tell him you believe. Romans 10, 9 to 10, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For at the mouth confession is made known, with the heart men believeth unto righteousness. Tell him, call upon him right now, tell him right where you are. Let today be the day of salvation. He will help you. He absolutely will help you. Just tell him right now, everything else is irrelevant. Just say, Lord, Lord Jesus, I believe. Dear Lord Jesus, I accept you as my God and Savior. Please forgive me of my sins and save me. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Salvation is simple. It's His work. It's His righteousness. It's His life. It's His cross, His burial, His resurrection for you. Because He so loves you. He's not willing that any should perish. He made a way for you. So simple. It's by grace. The unmerited favor of God. That I didn't merit it. I didn't earn it. It's not a reward. I don't deserve it. But he gave it to me anyways. Because he so loved me. By the riches of his grace. By his sheer mercy he gave it to me. Because I believed on him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. Believe on. That's from the heart. Not just believing in. Which is head knowledge. You may know. But have you made it personal? Have you confessed this as yours? He's your Jesus. Your God. This is your gospel. Because it's true. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. So please. Please tell me. If you have called upon him. If you have introduced yourself to him if you have made it personal please let us know he is the great deliverer he is the savior 
I'm actually so tired and weak without Jesus. I've been rejecting the truth for so long. Well, no longer, no longer. Let, uh, uh, then praise the Lord. It says, I have. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everybody in here be praying. Uh, be praying for this one that the Lord mightily bless and strengthen and encourage and help this one uh, to remove all heaviness and depression. Right now, you you even notice it right now, don't you? You notice it that, that there's a joy. There's a joy. There's a lightness. Right now, you feel if even the atmosphere of the room has changed. The Bible says that the angels of heaven rejoice when a sinner comes to the Lord. All heaven right now is jumping up and down and screaming the glories of God. All heaven is rejoicing. He right now, God right now, that takes his mighty pen and is writing your name in his book and he's grinning. That scriptures say it. He's the God of joy, of peace. He's the God of salvation right now. You have the spirit of the living God upon you. And you're held in the hand of the Father. No man can pluck you out. That means you can't pluck yourself out either. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. The blood of Jesus Christ has just washed away your sins. The angels of heaven are surrounding you. You are now a child of God, a joint heir with Christ, and you and I will meet in heaven one day. We'll be able to go and see Jesus Christ ourselves face to face. You will never die. You have everlasting life. This body is like a suit that wears out, but you will go on. You, but change to be with the Lord. Change like we just read. We will be changed. We will dwell with the Lord, to live with the Lord forever, is what the scriptures say. So praise the Lord, praise the Lord. The power of the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. Like I said at the beginning of this, of this broadcast, we don't need to say anything more than what the Bible flat out says. I didn't need to use any other arguments, any other thing, just what the Bible says. The scriptures of the living God, God's own words, bring life and hope and understanding. The Spirit of God moved upon this one to give the understanding, to, 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 get, to give the conviction of sin, the conviction of the truth. And they were drawn to Christ and saved because they believed. Not because they did anything to earn, but because they believed on the name, the name of the living God, the name of Jesus Christ. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the truth. This is the way, the truth, the life. This is what it is. I am smiling, yes. Praise the Lord, that is awesome. That is the best thing ever. That is the best thing ever. It says, I was getting to the point where my sin was starting to hurt me and I was reaping the consequences of my sins. I just felt so ashamed before Jesus. But make sure you understand right now, as the Lord says, all your sins are washed away. It's all gone. Hebrews 8, 12, and I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Every single thing you've ever done against the Lord is now gone. And God says he chooses to forget it, meaning it'll, he'll never bring it up. He'll never mention it. It's like it never existed. It never existed to him. It's so dealt with. It's so gone. It'll never, ever be brought up or mentioned ever again and washed clean though your sins be as scarlet they should be washed whiter than snow though they be red like crimson they should be washed white like wool complete change your your it's like everything you've ever done wrong is written on a, on a, on the board he just erased it all and then washed the board by the blood of jesus christ that's what it says 
So praise the Lord. Give all thanks and praise to our God, to our King, to our Lord Jesus. All hail King Jesus. All hail King Jesus. This is who he is. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God above all gods. He's the God of the resurrection. He just quickened your spirit. Your spirit was resurrected to life. He just gave you life. He just breathed into you the breath of life and created a living soul. That's what the Lord says. So, with that, a lot of people ask me, where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? What, what should I do next? Well, what I would say, do you have a Bible? If you don't have a Bible, contact me directly. Uh, uh, Christian Coffee Time uh, uh, provides Bibles for people who don't have one, who need one. So if you need a Bible, you don't have one, let us know. We'll send you one for free. Uh, make sure you have the Word of God. We have a, a, lim a limited amount, but we have a few here that we'll send you one. And uh, what, what I tell everybody, where I tell everybody, I have a Bible but covered in dust, go brush it off. Go brush it off and thank the Lord for it. And then what I would tell you is open to the Gospel of John. Go to the Gospel of John. Start there. Read slowly. And ask the Lord to give you the understanding. The Spirit of God which dwells in the heart of every believer. The Spirit of Christ that lives in the heart of every believer. Ephesians 3.17 Ask the Spirit of God who teaches and instructs. He's your teacher. He's your instructor. Ask him to open your understanding, to give you the wisdom and the understanding, and slowly read the Gospel of John. We go over to the Gospel of John right now. Chapter 1, verse 1. Take a look at this. In the beginning. That's the beginning of time. In Genesis, we see God created the heavens and the earth. He made all things. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word is with, was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is God. Verse 1, in the beginning is the Word, and the Word is God. Verse 14, the Word, which is God. Verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Right at the very beginning here. John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 14, the Word which is God, became flesh and dwelt among us. Right there we see Christ. The Word. How did God make everything? If we go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. How did God make everything? By speaking. The power of His Word. The power of His Word. God spoke and there was life. And God speaks into us life. He is the resurrection. He is the life. He is that which brings life. And he just breathed into you, spoken to you life. Because you believed. He's that merciful. He's that gracious. He's that good. And he's that powerful. He's that powerful. So start, start with the Gospel of John. And uh, what I would recommend, uh, if you're interested, if you'd like, uh, if you go over to our playlists, 
you go over to our playlist here on our channel uh scroll down you see you see the uh the bible study series of the gospel of john we did a gospel of john walkthrough where i go through every chapter every verse every chapter carefully walk through the whole gospel of john so follow along with your bible listen to that series on the gospel of john as i introduce jesus and you and it's all about the person of jesus his character his work and 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 everything about him so you learn about jesus christ that's what gospel john's for so please make sure you check out that if you need help finding it or if you have any questions don't hesitate to let me know so we're on here all the time as you well know and uh, if you've got questions as you go along make sure you ask okay all right, so with that, well, this has been an awesome day. <laughs> this has been an awesome day. This is just great. The angels of heaven are still shouting for joy. They're still screaming up a storm. <laughs> you just caused a ruckus in heaven, that's for sure. So there you go. Um, with that said, um, I hate to end it here, but we're pretty much at the end we've got to wrap it up so um so make sure please that you tune in again and uh make sure that you check out the sources and things that like i showed you go get your bible read the gospel of john and follow along the gospel of john uh bible study series again if you need help finding it let me know so with that then folks please make sure you give this video a like make sure you subscribe hit notification bell icon so you only put up new videos and check out all our other videos uh will i be on tomorrow Yes, I will be back on here tomorrow, Saturday. Tomorrow is Saturday, right? I forget what day it is. Where's my clock? Yes, tomorrow Saturday. Yes, I'll be back on tomorrow. Uh, uh, Saturday is our general uh, Q&A day. And so, uh, again, around 10.30 uh, Eastern Standard Time, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you'll be find, find me on there, Lord willing. And as well, make sure uh, to check out... Our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. We've got links to all other platforms and our podcast links and everything as well. Make sure you check that out. And like I said, make sure you give us a like, leave a comment as well, and make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon so when we put up new videos. And again, check out our other playlists and stuff as well as our Gospel of John walkthrough. And yeah, so there we go. So there we go, folks. So what I would recommend to you, uh, Vibes, is go find a quiet place, grab your Bible, go find a quiet place, and start talking to the Lord. Thank Him for His salvation. Thank Him for the cross, the burial, the resurrection. Thank Him for, for doing all the work. Thank Him for saving you. Introduce yourself to Christ. Develop a relationship with Him. Open your Bible to the Gospel of John, start reading, and talk to him while you read. Ask him questions while you're reading. Start learning. Start learning about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's what I would recommend for you to go do now. Uh, and again, I'll be on tomorrow, and I uh, hope to see you again then. So with that then, folks, God bless you. God bless all those who believe on our Lord Jesus Christ. And God bless all those who believe in his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.